Hello and welcome to series two, episode eight of the Stress Sessions. We're now halfway through the series. I did originally plan for about 10 guests to be on this one, but that ended up being, I think, 15. So the in-between bit of the last episode and this one was exactly halfway. So this week's guest, I'm speaking to the lovely Aileen Evans, who's the chief executive of the Grand Union Housing Group who own over 12,000 homes across four counties in the UK, including Bedfordshire, Buckinghamshire, Northamptonshire and Hertfordshire, with over 27,000 people living in them. I invited Aileen onto the podcast because in November 2019, she was voted President of the Chartered Institute of Housing, the professional body for those working in the housing profession in the United Kingdom. As part of her presidency, she has been campaigning to shine a light on mental health in housing, so keep listening to find out what we chatted about. So, here is the Stress Sessions with Aileen Evans. Hiya. 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 I'm well. How are you? Good. Yeah, not too bad, thank you. Thank you. Thank you for coming on. Um It's my I'm... it's my absolute pleasure. I think you know, I just want to start a conversation about mental health or continue a conversation about mental health or help somebody identify how they feel and go and talk to somebody about it. And so actually the more opportunities I can get to do stuff like this then then you know that just might chime with somebody who must who just might do something that might help them help them be happier and actually that that's yeah so thanks for having me no you're welcome and I mean my goal with this is ultimately to get people speaking because I didn't I didn't speak until March last year and well, when we went into lockdown I started talking about this and before that I hadn't because I was scared and I didn't think that people would be able to resonate with me but lots of people do so it's 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 it's, it's been a really interesting process I think even if somebody isn't in a particular if even if somebody's portraying that they're in a good place and they're yeah. not yeah then they need to be helped and I think they're the they're the people that need to be reached out to that might not necessarily yeah. get the I guess the the or the chat that they need I guess yeah yeah no absolutely I think and that's what we've tried to do at Grand Union is to say it's okay if you're not okay I don't make people come in and tell me how they are that's not the purpose of it it's to create a climate where you know where if you're having a shit time you can you know that organisationally we are kind enough for you to find someone that you can talk to about that. Anybody, there'll be loads of people. And, you know, I'm I'm always really proud of the fact when we get new people coming to work for us saying everybody's really kind. Do you know what? If that's the one thing we achieve as an organisation is that people think we're kind, I'll, I'll go to sleep happy every night. That's, that's, that's brilliant for me. Um, because I think uh, 
we need more world kindness. We definitely need more uh, organisational kindness. But those individual acts of kindness, I think, are not just in a pandemic. We should be doing it all the time. Yeah, and I think, like you just said, that if, if there's one goal that Grand Union Housing has got is to be kind and to welcome new people and, yeah, just, just be a good employer. I think every employer should aim for that because, I'm, I mean, I'm lucky enough to work for an employer that's like that at the minute, but I haven't done in the past, yeah. which has been difficult. And yeah. I'm not, I'm, I won't name any empl- yeah, <laughs> employers, but I, I worked for a big organisation a little while back and I actually had a couple of weeks off through stress. And the lack of understanding was amazing. It's it's difficult sometimes to kind of resonate with somebody if you haven't been through a mental illness before. But again, I think that especially the bigger companies should have those processes in place to to help those employees out, mm-hmm. I think. And some of them mm-hmm. don't, which is which is really shocking to me, I think. Mm-hmm. No, my my husband no longer works as a result of poor mental health um, oh, wow. at, at work that uh, that was really poor employment practice, really, really, really poor employment practice led to that. I mean, he had a, he had um, he had a capacity for for stress related um, challenges, but they were exacerbated by work rather than um, assisted by work. And actually that that should never ever ever be the case that should never be the Mm. case and that you know if we want to create diverse um high performing cracking organizations then people need to feel good about being there and people can't feel good about being there if they're not able to be themselves and actually dealing with and creating a supportive environment to support good mental health with people is about helping people be themselves all the time and then you get all of everybody I I do find it it's a bad word to mention in this sort of podcast but crazy when there is there there isn't an employer that isn't happy to help out their employee because at the end of the day when you employ somebody I believe that you should be you're basically employing them to work for you and you spend most of your day working don't you so you should have that that kind of support I think it's an important part of your life and if we want people to do well then we have to create that environment that helps them do that. Can you just kind of tell me a little bit about you, a little bit about your role at Grand Union and kind of anything you want to say? So I'm Aileen Evans. I am the Group Chief Executive at Grand Union Housing Group. We are, we own 12,500 homes. We provide housing and related services, homes and related services for 27,000 people, including 600 people with a learning disability, um, two and odd thousand older people, some of those who have dementia. We run four domestic abuse services. Um, so we're, we're much more than, than just a landlord. Uh, and also uh, this year, I have the great privilege to be the president of the Chartered Institute of Housing, which is a professional body for uh, people working in housing um, and have chosen to focus my presidential campaign on fundraising uh, around way, raising awareness around mental health in the in the sector because actually our teams do tough jobs and in 
in you know I, I wasn't anticipating a pandemic when I chose this as mm. my topic but what a time to be um what a time to be talking about mental health um because actually we're talking about it loads and loads across the sector now and as we should be really as we should mm -hmm. be we should have you know there was we had a we had a mental health crisis before the pandemic it's just massively bigger now and so mm. that's me and that's why and i have a i have a backstory which i'm sure we'll get on to talking about about mm -hmm. why i chose mental health uh, uh and and the range of reasons for that and uh, and that's what's motivated the way we are at Grand Union, but also the work I'm trying to do across the sector in helping raise awareness and start conversations about um, mental health challenges and what employers um, and individuals can do about them. I mean, I'm I'm quite lucky because I kind of understand what Grand Union does because I've worked for a couple of housing associations before. Yeah. Um, yeah. And I mean, I, I see I've seen at first hand kind of the great stuff that um, social housing companies do because mm. there is a lot of good stuff that goes on. And it's yeah, it's lovely. some of the stuff that I mean, the st some of the stuff I got involved in was lovely. And yeah, they're some of the highlights of my career, I think, so far. Mm. Um, and that they're, they're, they're projects that you wouldn't ever get involved in anywhere else. I'm glad that the sector has left that legacy um, in you. But, you know, but. It's about people. Mm -hmm. It's about people. And, you know, for example, we have a thousand more households claiming universal credit now than we did at the start of the pandemic. For every single one of those claimants, there's a story. There's a job lost. There's, mm. it could be somebody died. 31 of our tenants have died. Um, wow. There's a, there's uh, an illness. There's, there's a change, um, a massive change. People's, have li people's lives have changed in a heartbeat. And so, um, you know, for us, it's not just about providing homes. It is about saying, well, what, what is it that this person wants to support them at this particular time? Okay, we'll do that then. Um, and that's pretty much what we've been um, engaged in. Our... Our benefits and money advice team raised about £3.7 million for tenants, our tenants um, so far this year. Do you know what? That's £3.7. That's You don't live a great life on benefit, but it's helping them have a marginally better life than they otherwise would do. Quite a lot of that is topping up part-time payments. Low, We've got a low-wage economy. Um, so... So there's stories for all of that. And, you know, if you're a people business and you want to help people live good lives in the homes that we provide, then I think it's our responsibility. Grand Union has got 27,000 residents, I guess, that they look after alongside the 300 plus employees that you've got too. How do you kind of support your residents and your employees with their mental health and yeah. kind of what do you do as a business? Yeah, that's a good, uh, that's a really, really good question. So I, I think it actually starts by being a good employer, because if we want our team, our my colleagues to be compassionate and deal with each new challenge that the day might throw at them, then actually we have to create, as an employer, a climate where people can 
know that they are trusted, know that they are supported and can seek support if they need to. Because if we create that, that will that will ensure that our customers are treated as individuals and will get the best possible service at at the, the time they they seek it. Um, so it's it's much more than about, you know, you have the Richard Bransons of this world who say, well, you know, you, you have to create happy employees uh, and because happy employees equals happy customers. I think it's loads more than that. I think it's much more than that. And, and the reason um, it's much more than that is that virgin customers can choose to go and shop somewhere else. Actually, well, there's a housing crisis. We're short of four million homes nationally. People haven't got the same choice over which landlord they might want to choose to rent from because there isn't, there's just not enough housing stock to go around. Mm. And so that gives us a greater responsibility to serve our um, our tenants, our customers well and properly and compassionately. And we cannot do that if we do not have uh, an engaged, motivated, supported, at every level, happy team. We are not a specialist mental health support provider, but we work in our um, schemes to, uh, or, or with individuals to access mental health support. We have uh, staff are trained in uh, some mental health support, accepting though that they are not mental health specialists. Mm-hmm. You know, we are a housing association, and so I think we give some specialist to support to people who need it, which will help with mental health challenges. But we are not the people who can, in medical terms, cure cure them because that that yeah, for us yeah. is about we we need to signpost to that specialist support what we can do though is make sure that our customers who do need it get what they need um, because we've created those networks that enable uh, that enable that but my you know it does it does start with our team if our team are happy in the broadest sense are able to be themselves are able to come to work and be who they are are able to say when they've got some challenges, are able to get some support, then they'll be compassionate and deliver great services to people. And that's kind of what I, you know, what, what I want. I want people to be happy, actually. And so I think then it is about, that's, that doesn't mean to say we don't do difficult stuff. We have, you know, mm. employee challenges and and challenges with with uh, our customers, you know, but we'll deal with those in a respectful decent way you know we're not a pushover but at the same time we you know there's a real value in respecting um just really respecting people and having grown up respectful conversations with people that enable them to take responsibility for their actions if they need to but also change their behavior if they need to you know it's it's a whole a whole continuum of stuff but but by and large we are a kind organization who know that what we do matters try and provide support for a staff team um, who know that what they do matters so that they can do it really well I guess there's a lot of team members within your organization because you've got 12,000 homes that you look after there's a lot of frontline employees that will be going into for instance maintenance people that are looking after the properties personally because I, I I've recently just done a mental health first aid course they're the sort of people I think that 
it'd be really beneficial to get that mental health first aid of training because they will be yeah able to I guess identify who's suffering from a mental illness if they step into that person's property is that something that you guys do as well we can uh, if we uh, so we would do that as part of our safeguarding work if we thought that as part of visiting our customers there was a safeguarding issue that was manifesting itself in a mental health challenge we would absolutely we have a responsibility to deal with that and in order to deal with it we need to be able to recognize it there's Mm -hmm. mandatory mental health um, training actually I want to get better at that I want to it's difficult in in lockdown doing really meaningful um, uh, mental health training but um, but also most of our operatives our tradespeople are male uh, mm-hmm. and men in construction and maintenance are particularly vulnerable as far as mental illness is, is concerned so you know there's a there's a really shocking statistic that says two men a day in construction end their lives now really wow. you know, if two men a day were dying on building sites the health and safety executive would be all over us. Mm-hmm. Why aren't we doing something? Um, so, so when we work with contractors, we it's a requirement of our contractual arrangement with them that they demonstrate to us that they put in good mental health support. For us, it's about toolbox talks. It's about training. We, we have trained mental health first aiders too. It's about making sure um, that we can notice that. And the, we were... Um, before Christmas we were talking about putting in a program of activities for people because we knew there was going to be more lockdown or you know we weren't going to be back to whatever will pass for normal Mm. uh, in the future so we we were talking about putting on things like yoga meditation good stuff that we do actually when the office is open we have yoga and meditation and um and all of that sort of stuff and um, we said, so, but what about the internal um, repairs team? Because, you know, the, the, the stuff that we're talking about might not appeal to them. And actually, mm. um, as soon as we're able, what I'd like to do is give them a bit of money to go and hire a football pitch or do whatever that enables them to go and um, let off some steam and, and, and build those relationships, those supportive relationships with their colleagues that enable people to say, are you all right? Are you sure you're all right? Um, so, so yeah, it's, uh, it, 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 but it's a whole range of things. It's not just about uh, mental health first aid. It is about how, how people know they are cared for. Mm-hmm. And uh, you mentioned that the frontline employees are predominantly male and there's, obviously a massive male stigma around mental illness and that men don't ever speak up they're just told to man up from a young age and just deal with the problems that they've got what what's your kind of take from that from an organizational perspective in terms of the people that are working for Grand Union yeah so actually um so our our operatives in and out of people's homes our uh, our trades people are mainly men um our housing team, housing management team, and some of our surveying team are probably 80% female. Um, oh, cool. So, so we've got a real mix. Um, mm. Well, it, I, 
I I would I I don't lose my temper often, but I'd go I'd go bananas if I heard anybody telling anybody to man up. I think it starts with and it starts with the culture you set. So people at work know my mental health story, know my mental health challenges. Um, one of our board members, we have a, um, a, a governing board. One of our board members blogged um, on our internet about the time he. Uh, had a breakdown one of our teams has talked you know people talk about their challenges so I think it is about encouraging and really putting your money where your mouth is so I do a video every so often for the team and I'll say um I'm a seven out of ten today or I'm a five out of ten or you know I'm I've been trying this is the 20th take of this video because my neighbor is chopping down some trees and I can't think so so it is about it being normal to talk about how you feel we don't we don't talk about um male issues enough we don't talk about female we don't talk about the menopause enough menopause did my head in it is then about creating you can't make people talk what you can do is let them know it's okay when they do and that there'll be no repercussions and that there will only ever be support and that's what uh, that's what we have done. And so where people have had challenges. So, for example, during lockdown, we've had a couple of the team who have really struggled with working at home. And so we've kept the office open. Now, our offer, our office can see about 200 people. We can. Well, so there's probably about five in. So it's properly socially distanced and all the rest of it. But if it helps that person's mental health, to be able to come into um uh, to be able, be able to come into work then then that's that in terms of the the stuff around operatives we've we've stopped doing routine repairs in our homes one of oh, the okay. during during this latest lockdown because with the new virulent strain um you know our operatives will go in ppe'd to death they will have all the, the the same PPE that they have in the NHS, uh, and theoretically that should protect them, but it doesn't protect their mental health. That says, what if I'm going into this person's home and they've got it, and even though I've got PPE on, will I still catch it? So we take a decision, partly in response to our concerns about their mental health, to pull them off anything other than urgent and emergency repairs and working in empty properties. Because actually, if you're not close to anybody, you you're, you're not going to be likely to to get it so so or less likely so so for me it is about thinking about what are those what do those individuals need at that time and then putting that in place I, I think it's really refreshing just to speak to you about mental health because I think that as, as a as a CEO as a, of, the, of the company you're basically like the top person at Grand Union I wouldn't have well, I've, I've worked for a lot of different companies and I wouldn't be able to name one of those companies where the the CEO or whoever is the lead, the lead person at the top of the company would speak openly and honestly about, about mental health. So I think it's really refreshing just to speak to you. <laughs> I just wanted well, to... I mean, that's lovely of you to say, but actually if we want to create that culture, leaders have got to talk about it. They've got to talk about yeah, how they yeah, feel. Because yeah. mm-hmm. actually it... everybody else is feeling it. You, you need to say. Um, I, yeah. I think I, th- I think a lot of the time, though, if if you're the CEO of a company, there is that kind of 
wariness, isn't there, to opening up and, and kind of laying yourself bare because there might be, I guess, again, looking at some of the CEOs that I've worked with before, they might think, oh, it's a, it's a, it's a weakness in my armour. It's a weakness because the people that work for me might think, oh, well, there'll be a little bit of a walkover because they've suffered from mental illness and they're vulnerable. And I just think that it, everybody should be able to be like that without having yeah. that judgment. I think making yourself vulnerable is one is something that leaders should do because I'm, mm. you know, we're not, I'm, I'm not superwoman. I have teenage twins. I have a husband with mental health challenges. I, I do a, a a job that I adore that I would happily do for nothing, but that brings some stresses and strains. And so, you know, why can't people be honest about that? I mm. think that vulnerability is strength because actually. And, and I haven't got all the answers. People know I haven't got all the answers. I'm quite happy to say, well, let's sit down and work this out together. Because actually that that way we create a stronger organisation. I know we attract good people to come and work for us because they have had challenges with their mental health and they know that Grand Union is a place that will support them. Actually, as a chief exec, I'm really, really delighted that we attract really great people who know that if they have a mental health challenge um, and, you know, if the stats are be, to be believed, it was one in four of us at any one time are experiencing mm-hmm. a mental health challenge. It's probably ONS, I think, put, did something about saying it was 75% of us during COVID. Well, if you want to, if you want to harness all the talents, why wouldn't you do that? And why mm-hmm. wouldn't you let people know that that's who you are too? But I think people need to know who they're being led by. I think it, and you know, good leaders will, and I don't mean, um, you know, I'm overly putting my life out on the line. But what I do mean is that people know my story, people know my challenges. And that brings with it, I think, an honesty where people think, well, if she can be honest about that, she'll tell us the truth about other stuff. So it builds trust. And I think that's what, you know, that vulnerability, I think, helps build trust. And I think you cannot have a good performing, well-run organisation if people do not trust the people who are um, who are at the top of it. So but it's just a no brainer as far as I'm concerned. But it's nice of you to say thank you. No, that's OK. I think I just think it's so refreshing because because you're instilling that trust yourself your employees will then have the same yeah because you're because you're open and honest about yourself your employees will then look at you and go oh actually I can do that too I don't have to hide anything away so you're leading by example yeah you set an expectation about how people how you want people to behave Mm. that's what leaders do you know somebody once said to me it was the most powerful bit of leadership training and actually um talking about leadership so leadership's just what you say and what you do that's all it is you know you make great big fancy theories and statements about it but leadership is what you say and what you do that's all it is and people copy it so it better be good so the the best bit of advice management advice leadership advice call it what you like is that people will copy what you say and what you do so make it good and that's kind of what I live by, really. You've spoken a couple of times about your your mental health story, and you you spoke earlier about that your 
you're supporting the charity Mine this year through your presidential campaign. Can you talk to me a little bit about that? Yeah. So, so I grew up in a home in a household with a um, father who never talked about feelings. Um, He had a depressive illness. Actually, all of my childhood and most of my adult life, really, until he died. And he never, ever, ever talked about who we felt. Now, what that meant was that we didn't know which dad we were going home to because sometimes he would be angry and upset Mm. and withdrawn and cross and uncommunicative. And sometimes he would be happy, nice, playful, life and soul of the party dad. But I do know that actually he led quite a sad life in in lots of ways because it was in that era when people in particular men did not talk about how they uh, felt so I grew up with no language for feelings I grew up without being able to articulate how I feel because you didn't that's not what you did and that bred in me an anxiety actually about not liking things to be uh, not not wanting the unexpected so if if I think something uh, isn't certain I've learned my learned behavior now is that actually that's where the roots of that are and kind of embracing that uncertainty and taking an opportunity to shape it has taken me all my life to learn how to Mm. respond uh, to that anxiety that it bred in me so that was one thing then my husband as I say no longer works as a consequence of poor mental health at work and we'd had a few episodes of that but when my twins were five he phoned me from a railway station platform and said, Aileen, I don't know whether to get on this train or jump in front of it. At which point I said, just 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 come away from the platform then and 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 I'll come and fetch you. He said, Well, I've got my bike. And I said, doesn't matter, we'll put your bike bike in the back of the car and we'll get we'll get you home. Now we were able to we were lucky actually we had a brilliant gp i had a great boss at the time we were able to access some good services and actually pay for 18 months worth of counseling that helped him get better but again so at that point i was managing director of a housing association or the um, housing association that has formed part of the group that i'm i'm chief exec of now so I had five-year-old twins. I had a husband where I didn't know if he was going to be alive when I got in. And I was managing director of a housing association, 39 million pound turnover business. Do you know what? I don't think that's as unusual as people would like to think. I think I'm talking about it. But I think loads of people in my position have those sorts of challenges. And, and since I've been talking about this, I did, I, did a, I did an after dinner talk at a golf club once for a golf day about a year ago. Four men, four men came up to me and talked about their suicidal thoughts, suicidal thoughts in their family, issues with their kids, four of them. So... There weren't that many in the room, actually. It's probably only about 40 in the room. So that, so I was juggling all of that. Um, Mark's better now. He's, he's well. We know when he's having, he was, he was 
we was having a bit of a dip last week. We were having a bit of work done on the house and it wasn't going how we wanted. Mm. And so we're now in a place where I can recognise that and say, okay, so what are we going to do to make it better? You need to feel better. How, what, what, or what steps are we going to take? What practically can we do that will, and so again, that's learned, that's learned. I've learned that, but that, all of that, when all of that was going on, when, when my, my dad was, um, my dad was ill as well. I, I, I mean, he was physically ill. When Mark was ill, the twins were little and I'm juggling this job um, with a brilliant boss. I recognised I needed to get some support and actually where I have needed it, I have sought support since then. Either that's medication or that's uh, counselling or it's a bit of both because I think if I had a broken leg or cancer or whatever, people would be anxious for me to get the support to get better. Mm -hmm. It's the same with my head. Actually, Mm -hmm. the work that we did the work that Mark did with his um, with his counsellor and the medication helped him get better. He is not suicidal anymore. He is fully engaged in our family life. We are happy. We have found a way that works for us. I felt that if I was going to embark on this campaign as part of the CIH Chartered Institute of Housing um, presidency, it would be really disingenuous if I didn't tell that. So I did hopefully it helps a bit i'm so glad that he is better now and i'm so glad that he did that mark did get the help that he needed because mm. i i i've been in that place i've been in that place before it's, it's it's difficult it's difficult to one seek help yourself so my wife has helped me a lot throughout my whole mm. i guess recovery process she was the one that kind of initially said to me that you need to you might need to go and get some help and i've i've been on medication and mm. sort counseling and it does help it helps it helps speaking by having this conversation that we're having now it's helping it's also good to seek professional help too so I think if again I say say this every it, it probably every Instagram post every podcast that if there is somebody out there that's listening to this and that they think that they either might be suffering from a mental illness they're thinking they're feeling suicidal thoughts or anything like that talk to somebody about it and they'll kind of help you navigate the problem slightly yeah. because because in, when, when you're thinking about yourself you kind of dramatize stuff or you you don't think straight do you so it's no. it is always good to just talk I think yeah no I'm I mean you know we've we when when I have been not so well. I have become focused inside. And I think that's what that's what um, my husband did. You know, he focused on inside. He didn't think mm-hmm. about what was kind of going on um, around him or he was interpreting things that were going on and, and around him in a way that, um, he. I mean, his perspective was really quite distorted. And so, and that's what happens. And actually, that's what happens in this flipping pandemic people are frightened and and after this we will be dealing with people in trauma and so I just wanted you know I, I think if we can really major on having those conversations where it is okay to say you're not okay and that people will support you and help you with it then then actually we'll get better a bit more quickly and we will be uh, and we will be happier as a result. I, I think that this pandemic is 
I don't want to say good, but, but in a way it would have helped people to realize their problems or not problems that but if they have if they are suffering from ill mental health they they realize it and it's it might because they've been pushed into not in a corner because people have been told to stay at home essentially and not do anything mm-hmm. that would have kind of pushed people into thinking perhaps I have got a mental health issue and then they'll reach out to somebody and mm-hmm. that's why you've seen kind of the numbers of ill mental health go up and the demand for the services to get help have gone right up too. And a lot of the services have been put under extreme pressure. But at the end of the day, people people have been have kind of seen that they need that help, mm. which and I think is a positive thing. Yeah. Yeah. Mm. No, I I I agree. I think and the focus on mental health. I mean, I I think I, I hope it doesn't diminish when the pandemic is over because I do you know I said earlier we had a mental health crisis before this pandemic Um, the pandemic has just made it very much worse but it's got people talking about it and it's got people saying "Mm, well perhaps what I've been feeling is what other people are feeling so then it's all right to go and ask for some support for it and that's what I think I won't wish it on anybody and it's a really rubbish way to to um, find out about this stuff isn't it but I I think it is I hope that a greater focus on mental health will be one of the few good things that comes out of it. There needs to be and I think that the mental health state of our world nation whatever you want to call it is is going to be considerably worse after this and I think once everybody's unleashed back into the real world Mm -hmm. it's going to kind of it's it's kind of the way that I kind of look at it is our cat has just been let outside because we've moved into a new house. We've kept him inside for three weeks mm. and he mm-hmm. he literally just goes into the garden at the moment. So we put his cat flapping over the weekend for the last couple of days. He literally just goes into the garden. He won't go anywhere else. He won't go out of the proximity of the garden because he's scared. He's in a different, yeah. he's in a different place. And mm. I think as a human race, when we finally get unleashed from this pandemic, it's going to be exactly the same. Yeah. We'll be in a different place. Good. Well, I, I think that won't be, that won't be, a bad thing I just think it's really sad that you know something like 1.9 million people have died across the world that mm. we're over 80,000 died in this country it's just really sad that we that that has to happen in order to make us reevaluate this stuff really but um but yeah that's that's kind of the way it is mm. it's yeah it's this I'm just trying to look at it from a kind of every cloud sort of basis. Yeah, no, absolutely, <laughs> absolutely. No, I hope, I hope, you know, that renewed focus, I think, is um, is really important. For you personally, what would you say are your kind of coping mechanisms that you have kind of on a daily, weekly, monthly or whatever basis that you use to kind of help your mental health? Uh, so I use Headspace. Okay. Um, I use the app Headspace, which I love um, because it's got loads of different stuff on it. It's it's not just about stress relief or mental health. It is about being calm or finding different ways to think about things. So, so I quite like that. So I read, I don't read anything um, deep and meaningful. I read rubbish because uh, it's froth and I don't <laughs> particularly want to think about stuff. I, mm, that's not, that's not fair. I do read some deep and meaningful stuff, but I'm always reading something quite frothy Um along alongside it listen to music go out walking 
I've learned during uh, people who know me well would not necessarily associate this with me, but um, or me with this that uh, you know I've learned the benefit of daily exercise. And that's really, really, really helped. And I know, you know, it helps Mark when when he is able to get out running. I've got 13-year-old twins, so it's also about um, having time with them, making cakes or doing or hearing them read. Actually, I know they're a bit old for me to hear them read, but I really enjoy hearing them read. Uh, and they like reading to me. So or watching a movie probably the one that we've watched 50 times before but it doesn't matter so it's about mm -hmm. the shared experience and the comfort yeah. and familiarity um so we watched wonder again at the weekend we and we must have seen that movie 30 times but it doesn't matter you find something new in it every time so it's that that sort of stuff really um i'm a bit of a social media junkie so when i am getting getting in a place where i am doom scrolling I just uh, I'm now in a place where I stop. Mm -hmm. uh, I don't we don't take as a family. We made a decision. We don't take any electronic devices upstairs. So uh, I okay. do not sleep yeah. with my phone by my bed because otherwise I would be checking Twitter at 3 a.m. Um, and actually the menopause has meant that I flipping rubbish sleep anyway. I don't need to be kept awake by um the latest rantings of president trump so 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 to do that you know we just we um, we we don't have devices upstairs um and that's i think really healthy for all of us so it is you know that, just that sort of stuff um and people need to find what works for them i've gone out for walks at lunchtime and after work and yeah I've I didn't used to do that. <laughs> no. Uh, well, I go out for walks at lunchtime. Um, uh, and, and even before the pandemic, I would go out for a walk at lunchtime. And I'd be putting my coat on in the office and I'd be saying, anyone want to come? Um, because actually getting people out to have that in a companionable way with you, I think, is mm. so... You know, sometimes there's a posse. There's loads of us just going for a walk around Kent's Hill. But and the other thing that you know, I have been saying to people. So if you want to go for a, a socially distant walk, you know, um, you can meet one other person outside your household. Um, give me, you know, drop me an instant message, um, and we'll fit something in. And people are taking me up on that. You know, I am going out for a walk with colleagues where we are admiring the mud and the cold and but you know you're breaking state you're doing something different with people and that's important and it's all then goes back to that relationship stuff I think which is also you know building good strong relationships across the organization and people knowing and if you say if you are in my position and you say come for a walk or you know you know you can talk to me actually you need to bloody well be there and do it you can't mm. say it and not do it um so so yeah no i uh, you know i want people to take me at my word i, th I think from the, from the stuff you sp just said then as well it is it's all about kind of making things simple so it's literally doing the simple stuff not doing anything extravagant just plain stuff that is just gonna put your mind at ease i guess yeah. or or break state or find something find you know I, I can use the techniques around relaxation I'm crappy at re relaxation I'm really not very good at being relaxed but um 
but I can, but I do have the techniques that I use when I um, when I uh, need them. Um, so I have I have got some learned stuff, but actually it is doing simple things, eating well, exercise, reading, connections with family and friends, walking, um, listening to people, talking to people, watching movies, eating popcorn. Thank you so much for coming on, Aileen. I really appreciate it. That's my pleasure. That's my pleasure. Thank you so much for asking me. It's great, actually. It's great that we're just talking about it. So brilliant. Thank you so much, Aileen. All right. I'll see you again soon. Yeah, speak to you soon. Have a good evening. Yeah, you too. Take care. You too. See you later. Bye. 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 Thank you to Aileen for coming on the stress sessions and talking about the great work she's been doing for both Grand Union Housing Group and to shed light on the mental health in housing as part of her Chartered Institute of Housing Presidency. I say this in every episode, but everything you hear on the stress sessions podcast are the views of myself and my guests. I'm no expert, nor do I claim to be. So if you're suffering from a mental illness and need help, I've included some really helpful numbers and links that should point you in the right direction. Thank you for listening. Keep downloading, subscribing, all those good things and listen to next week's session where I'll be speaking to a staff from the current Netflix US comedy series Superstore. My only guest from series two outside of the UK. It's amazing. Please, please listen and have a great week.